seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the full 40 minutes with Chris and Rob. It is Sunday afternoon. Just to give you guys a heads up as to kind of where we stand right now, we just watched Syracuse beat Michigan State, which is ridiculous in its own right. Absolutely nuts. And and uh, Purdue also beat Butler earlier today. North Carolina and Texas A&M are currently in action. We will be back with you Later this week, with a full recap on the first weekend um, of everything that we didn't cover already so far, as well as a look ahead to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight for Nova and everyone else. But let's just jump right in with with where we were yesterday watching the Alabama game. Rob and I were very unorthodox positions yesterday in how we had to watch these games. Uh, I'll kick it off to you, Rob, who was actually in Charlottesville, Virginia, home of the crime scene. The crime scene. Of UMBC, the first 16 seed to beat a one seed. Rob, what was Virginia like? Well, I I have to say, I want to give myself a little bit of credit here. I had a premonition. I said, you know what? I think UMBC is going to knock off Virginia. So what am I going to do this weekend? I'm going to go down to UVA and make sure I'm there to see what happens in this historic moment. And I was right. And it felt great. I was like, you know what? This is a great prediction on my part. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not at all the case, um, as you would expect. But uh, no, I was down in Virginia. I was down there with my brother, actually, who is a, a UVA alum and currently at med school. Um, luckily, he doesn't really care about basketball, so he wasn't too depressed. But and that's anyway. what you were saying was kind of like the general mood. Yeah, it was um, it was surprising. I was at a bar Friday night watching the game and kind of watching, watching. I'm like, all right, I'm waiting for them to make a comeback and waiting and, and waiting and waiting. <laughs> and, then, and then eventually I start doing the math and I'm just sitting there saying, wait a minute, Virginia is a really slow, like a really slow team. I don't think they're going to have enough possessions left. And then it just got even worse. Yeah, no, they <laughs> didn't just, have enough possessions it, it left. Was, yeah, it was shocking to me. And Saturday was St. Patrick's Day. They just canceled it. They sent out, there was an email I heard, it went all across campus. They said, we're just canceling everything. And there was, that was it. <laughs> the campus, campus just gave up. They said, yeah. forget it. We're oh done. Oh my goodness. It was, uh, I felt, I did feel bad for them. Like, we've been there so many times. I, I didn't feel, I, I couldn't imagine that amount of pain. But no, like, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's a totally different <sighs> level of pain. That's I honestly my take on this is I don't wish that on anybody. Nobody. I don't wish it on anybody. I don't wish it on Virginia, who out of all the ACC schools, if I had to pick an ACC school to be the first sixteen to lose to a one, Virginia would literally be my last. Absolutely pick. last. Do wait. Do you feel like me? So I, I feel like a kindred spirit with UVA. A little bit, yeah. Like I feel like we're both kind of these. Not up-and-coming programs, but both had flourishes back in the 80s of greatness. Right. Went a little bit quiet and are both really much on the rise right now. And we've had that, that little rivalry recently. We're like, way further ahead than Virginia is I, in our rise. We've been rising for like 
12, 13, yeah. 14 years. Virginia is a little bit more recent. But to your point, they Tony Bennett's a young coach, yeah. relatively, um, and has a certain style of play and and gets his guys, has a good culture, gets his guy to compete at a high level. He does a lot more with less than any other coach, I think, in college basketball. They defend like hell. Mm-hmm. And they ran into a situation where we know we've been on the side of a tournament upset. And Oh, have we been there? Yeah, I, I, we have been I there. Have, I must have blocked that out of my we head We have for a been while. there, unfortunately. Um, although I think the monkey is completely off the back. Absolutely. Now. I think we – yesterday we – not only knocked the monkey off the back, we beat it to death with a sledgehammer <laughs> and fired a bunch of bullets into its skull. <laughs> Yo, I was I was waiting for. Remember back in sixteen when we beat Iowa, the video of Jay walking into the locker room oh, with yeah, like, the, the Howard Dean, like yeah. almost. Uh, I was waiting for another video to come out like that. <laughs> Wait, we just referenced Howard Dean Bia on Twice. two You're consecutive right. podcasts. You're right. Um, but yeah, that, both of them appropriate. That, I think that's like. The only two shout-outs Howard Dean's gotten on a podcast in probably ever. Well, a couple of years, right? Well, I mean, he hasn't been relevant since podcast. No, but he did thing. a bia at the uh, DNC back in yeah, not I mean, commenting on politics. No he did politics. a bia at the 2016 oh, DNC. Oh, that's true. Okay, okay, fair, fair. Uh, as a joke. Uh, anyway, anyway, enough Howard Dean. Way off topic. <laughs> way off topic. But the... the... <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> this is an interesting one. This yeah. is our, for our listeners here. We basically spent last week apart. We podcasted remotely, which was a train wreck and a half, by the way. So if you guys bared with us and bared with us and listened to that podcast, thank you. But, yes, we're back together. Yeah. We're clearly and joining. It's clearly a mess. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, anyway, back to Virginia. The – I just I, – I, I just wouldn't I, – I feel bad for Tony Bennett and that team Yeah. because – they didn't deserve that ending. And no. the problem is this, right? This tournament, which is a wonderful tournament. And by the way, this year is probably the best. This is the best first couple rounds that I can remember. This has been just nonstop electricity going on. Yeah. Um, but but this tournament like defines your entire season by one game. UVA had a historic run through through the... ACC, beat everyone in its path, lost one game in overtime, lost one game in overtime in the ACC, which had Duke, who was a national title favorite, UNC, who's a Final Four favorite, and a smattering of other good teams. Nine teams made the tournament from the ACC, uh, and they beat everybody in their path, and then they go rampage through the... ACC tournament, which I didn't think was going to happen, but never really challenged there. And then their their whole season is defined by them losing to a 16 seed. I know. And it's like I just don't. I. It's funny because we always we got we've gotten blessed with a lot of one seeds lately, and it's I always worry about it. I always worry about you don't want to be the first one. You don't want to be the first one. It's something that's going to be tagged to your name forever. And I guess the upshot here. 
from a Villanova fan perspective is we weren't the first ones, yeah. and we will never be the first right. ones because Virginia did it, and we won't be the first ones. Yeah, and well, let's actually use that. We've spent like five minutes on Virginia basketball, and this is not a Virginia basketball podcast, so maybe yeah. let's let's talk about what people are actually here to listen to, which is Howard Dean. So let's transition <laughs> to more Howard Dean. Um, but no, okay, so yeah. Obviously, so I was down in Virginia watching the game. I watched our game from a hotel room, which was fine. There was no atmosphere. It was me, my brother, my dad putting up with me with a little profanity in the first half, which obviously was way better in the second half. I was very well behaved. Oh, you were I, calm in the second half? <laughs> I was... The, uh, <laughs> the, 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 like, the 19-0 Mikhail Bridges run... Cooled your, cooled your nerves. <laughs> yeah, it, it made me feel just, just a smidge better about the game. I turned around to my brother and my dad and said, yeah, I feel pretty good about this one after about five minutes in. And they're like, yeah, no kidding. Like, <laughs> I think every Villanova fan did. But um, but yeah, so I was watching from a hotel room. Chris, where were you watching it? Uh, so my best friend from high school, who's a Hofstra grad, actually, so has some connection to Jay Wright, I guess, kind of. Tangentially. <laughs> Tangentially. Um, <laughs> really stretching. <laughs> really stretching. Uh, he it was a good good buddy from high school, uh, got engaged yesterday and was uh, – and wanted everyone at his apartment to surprise his, well, now fiancé. Uh, so when they got back to their apartment in Astoria. So I was over there, uh, going to be the best man at his wedding, but had to tell him up front, hey, man, look, I'm with you all the way. But it's March Madness, so, like, can we have the game on at your apartment? Because if not, I'm not sure I can be there. That's amazing. I love that. And he was like, A, you're a dick, and B, like, I totally get it, and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I've known you long enough. I know this Villanova basketball thing is not going away, so okay. Yeah, he was just like, he was just like, all right, man, you know what? I appreciate it. He was like, well... What's more important to you? I'm like, well, no, you're more important to me, but, like, we can do both. You have a television. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. But my parents' 60th birthday wasn't good enough <laughs> during 2016 to, like, get me away to not watch. So so my, um, so my I did go and watch from there. It was immediately good omen. There was a girl there, the, uh, the fiancé's cousin. Uh, her cousin's name was Jenny, 2016 grad, nurse. From Villanova, I walk in with a Villanova. They were all wearing green St. Patrick's Day. I had like a green undershirt but had a Villanova pullover on, mm. obviously. Uh, and it's a, it's a rough I, color combo. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't <laughs> it's great. It wasn't look. the best look, but it got, it got the job done. Uh, and there's a lot of rough color combos on St. Patrick's Day. That's true. That's true. Uh, but I walk in and this girl immediately goes, oh, Villanova fan. And I'm like, yeah, sick. So we're going to watch the game. So we watched the game on mute. There was a little kid running around the apartment. Their mother saw how intense I was watching the game and, like, literally, like, dragged the kid away from me. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it was uh, – let's talk about the game. That's all, I think that, that kind of makes sense. I yeah, guess. let's talk about the game. So the first thing – just walk through the pieces of this game. The first half I, – I think some people are going to say it was a bad half. I actually liked a lot of what we did in the first half. Obviously, we would have been down without Dante DiVincenzo, as Jay Wright said. Oh my Thank God for Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, but you know what the thing is? Is that I don't like when people say, "Oh, if it wasn't for this, this." Yeah, yeah. And if you know, if <laughs> if the Pope didn't have 
male parts, he'd be a woman. Like, it's not, he wouldn't if, be Pope. If Chris Jenkins didn't right. get the shot in 16, we wouldn't be national champions. Yeah, right. No I kidding. love that. I love that. I love when people are like, like Doug Gottlieb, like, on Twitter recently was just like, oh, you know, take out Villanova's Final Four run, and they haven't done well lately. Oh, really? Just ignore the really big exception yeah. of the t- Final t- Four. Take out Tom Izzo's national championship, right. and, and then he's just a dude who's been coaching 20 years and made some Final Fours. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> right. That, that's it's, not how it works. That's not how this works. <laughs> no. So Take out Mark, Marvin Bagley of Duke. They're not as good of a team. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so Dante went on like a solo run. Uh, in that second, Which, in that first half, he was dialed in. He was way. dialed in. Like Jalen picked up two early fouls. Omari picked up two early fouls. I want to give shouts to Jay Wright, who did I thought a maestro performance in that first half, managing the foul situation because you had two of your best players, or I well obviously two of your best players, but not only two of your best players, two of your most important players given the positions they play of point guard and and the five role. With foul trouble in the first half. And since Didi was playing really good, he was able to hold Brunson aside for a lot. And he also knew Brunson's a junior, can get back into the flow of the game in a heartbeat, and he did. Yeah. Right? Whereas Omari Spellman, a redshirt freshman, probably needed to get into the game a little bit more so he didn't completely lose his feel. I, w- I have to say, I was when he when he got picked up his second foul, I think it was at the six, basically at the 16-minute mark. Yeah. My thought was exactly that. I thought, oh my gosh, he's going to sit for the rest of the half and be totally out of the flow of the game. And I'm almost thinking we're effectively losing him for the game at that point. So, yeah. yeah. And Jay has a history, by the way. So this is kudos to Jay on this. Jay has a history, actually, of pulling a guy who's got two fouls and just sitting him on the bench for the entire half. So that's why you thought it was justified for you to think that. I mean, it's not uncommon for people to do that. No, but what Jay did was great. He rotated Omari back in for like one or two minute stretches near media timeouts so that he can get him in for a couple minutes and then pull him back, right? And then – so Omari stayed in the flow of things and then and then had a great game. I thought Omari played great. Yeah, I mean I, like kudos to Jay for making the sub but also kudos to for, for Omari for playing so smart with those two yeah. fouls. I can't recall him even like putting himself in a position – to pick up the third foul. He just played smart. He still was out there picking up some rebounds and he was doing his job, but just, I mean, again, we've talked about his progression and I think he's, he's just playing a lot more heady than he had been earlier in the year. And yeah. it's just, I mean, it's the right time, right? Like, right. It's, it's awesome. Right. This is what happens. So this is what happens when you have freshmen. They have a lot of things to work on, right? They make mistakes, but you have talented guys and then they start to evidence their talent and make less mistakes as they get towards the back end of their freshman year, which... Let's just talk about – let's just switch gears for a second to Colin Gillespie mm. who had to play way more than I think Jay ever intended to because this was – I mean if you took one look at Alabama and how they looked physically, this was not in your mind a Colin Gillespie game. Yeah. This is a game that you thought, OK, we're going to ride with Dante, Booth, Brunson uh, – and then our, athlete, our all-athlete team to keep up with the athletes on the Alabama. I was very actually impressed with their athleticism and length. And, you know, I knew they had turnover issues, so I wasn't surprised and to see that that, happened, that unleashed. But, like, and then I also was not surprised to see that in the second half, the moment we got cooking, that they mentally just couldn't hold up. Young team, etc. But, so I backtrack a little bit, Gillespie was excellent 
I mean, this is a guy who I think has always been a struggle with us. Um, when he's in, I think we struggle defensively and offensively. He is known to bury some good open looks, right? So that's kind of his role. Usually make some good drives, good drives, smart drives. Although he did have a couple, one of those things that he does. You pointed this yeah. out a couple of weeks ago where sometimes he drives into the lane and kind of doesn't know what to do. Yeah. He got bailed out by a foul. He did, yeah. Uh, okay. During one point um, in the first half. And then... And then, and then also he, and then, but then he also makes some good. And then he, oh, he had one drive that he got his shit swatted so bad. Oh yeah, <laughs> but overall played really, really good defensively. Oh my gosh! And they kept trying to target him. Yeah. And the guys were helping off him a little bit, but no, he, he held his he own. Held his own. It was it was great. No, I was really impressed with that because yeah, that was a game. I mean, he's. He's definitely stepped up. He played tight on Sexton. He was able to keep up with his speed. I mean, Sexton, like we talked about, is a potential lotto pick. Were you really impressed? I was really impressed by him. You know, I was I was impressed with Sexton. He definitely has, has the tools, but it was interesting. Part of it's probably a function of his team. He didn't take over. the first In the first half, he had, I don't know, like 9 or 10 points. A number of those buckets were in transition, and so he obviously manages the transition really well, but it's not like he was just creating a ton and taking it to our guys. And again, kudos to Jay for the defensive scheme and, and to our guys for really showing up there. So, yeah, I was impressed, but it wasn't – he didn't knock my socks off. Yeah. You were also not all that impressed by when he called Bridges a bitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> scoreboard, dude. You're down 25. <laughs> You're down 25, and Bridges has just absolutely smoked you the entire game. Like, yeah. it was, I mean, that was, that but, was bold. But that being said, part. like, so this is, again, I feel like sometimes Villanova fans, um, and yeah, I'm launching a criticism of Villanova fans a little bit, get, like, all high and mighty sometimes with, with stuff like that. I don't worry about competitiveness. Like, that's a competitive. That's a competitor kind of uh, who's who's just got his shit kicked in, right? Just releasing mental frustration. So, yeah. like, I actually think he's, he's he comes across to me like a good kid. He said on the post game, he's got a four zero. Yeah, um, he's one and done type talent. Clearly, an athlete. Seemed like a good good kid, good enough guy. But was, uh, what was interesting though was, was Avery Johnson pulled him right after that. Avery Johnson pulled him. So, I want to talk about Avery Johnson. I love that guy as a coach. I watched both his press conference after the Va Tech game where they beat Virginia Tech, and I watched his press conference after our game. And very complimentary guy. Apparently, he's beloved amongst coaches. He was in the <laughs> league. He was in yeah. the NBA. Um, so Maverick's he is. Coach, I think, he is a uh, very well-known coach around basketball, but uh, he is. Uh, he's done a great job with an Alabama program that is clearly second fiddle to their uh, football program. I don't know if you've heard of their football program. Are they any good? Yeah, they're pretty good. No. Alabama football is decent. Are they <laughs> as good as Villanova football? Well, our, our football program is Interestingly good. enough, Villanova is one of the only football programs in the entire country, active football programs in the entire country, that has a winning record all time versus Alabama. We are 1-0. Against Alabama, <laughs> one, oh, nice. with a series dating back to the 1940s. So we played <laughs> one game in the 1940s awesome. and beat them. Good stuff. Uh, so kudos to uh, the football team. Yeah, from, right. You know, yeah. 80 years ago for doing that. Yeah. So Avery. Yeah. So so Alabama. Avery Johnson. So yeah, it was kind of like first half. Good performance from Gillespie. First half, I thought it was like it was it was like as you refer to a rock fight. I thought, but came out of it, it was ugly. Dante kept it in it. 
kept us kept us in it really. Hit a nails shot at the end of that half. Oh my gosh. The defense was great. If I was Alabama, that's one of those you just shake your head walking into the tunnel. You say, I deed him up perfectly, hand in his face, he's four feet behind the line, and just buries it. Well, this is what it is. I mean, we talked about this going into the game and going into the tournament, is that FYI, we have like a lot of talent on this roster. This is yeah. Jay's Right? Like, I know the 2016 team is obviously his best team, right? But this is until until proven otherwise. But this is Jay's most talented and complete team, I think, uh, and athletic team. Yeah. Uh, so, so here's what happens. You have talented kids who are athletes making really good plays on the biggest stage. Who've bought into a team concept. Like, yeah. It's- Dante DiVincenzo, how many – like. I don't even know if he attempted – did he attempt many shots in the second half? He had zero points in the second half. Totally deferential. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, like you would never see that on some other teams. But, yeah, it was it was crazy. He came in, did what he needed to do, and then the second half just started off the Mikhail Bridges show. Or or should I say the Mickle Bridges show? <laughs> Mickle Bridges, Miles Bridges. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Michael Bridges. Whatever. Oh. This is another thing. Like in 2016 run when people are like, oh, I can't pronounce Archie Diakono's name, I'm like – like, this is your job. Like when announcers can't pronounce our players' names, like your job is to pronounce his name correctly. And they would joke about it. They'd be like, "Oh, uh, uh, Archie Diacomo, uh, Archie Diacomo, Archie Diacono, uh, Archie." You know what? Haha! <laughs> I'm not even gonna try and say. It. I loved, I loved Mickle Bridges though. Mickle was at the end of the game. If you guys didn't see it, the uh, the on court reporter at the end was interviewing. Mikhail and was like, ah, oh, Mickle, how was the game? And she said it again, and I was just dying. It's one thing to say Mikhail Bridges. Like, Mikhail Bridges is how you're supposed to say it. It's one thing to say Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's another thing to say Michael Bridges, call him Miles Bridges. Mickle isn't anywhere. It doesn't look <laughs> anything like it spells. So, um, but yeah, we talked about going in to the tournament that – Villanova has Mikhail Bridges on the team, and nobody else has Mikhail Bridges, right? So Alabama clearly did not have Mikhail Bridges. Michigan State almost has Mikhail Bridges. No, they have Miles Bridges, and that's why they're no longer in the tournament. Because if Michigan State had Mikhail Bridges, they would have made a lot more threes, and they would have won the game versus freaking Syracuse. Shot over that zone, baby. But, But Mikhail Bridges is electric. He's, the kid is electrifying. To to your earlier assertion about him Jenkinsing, he is still Jenkinsing. Oh, he is Jenkinsing. All right. He is absolutely. He is Jenkinsing, and yeah, this is gonna this tournament. Get used to it. Is going to be the Mikhail Bridges show. He is moving up the draft board with every game that happens. Yeah, every game that happens, he's already a top ten pick. He is just. Every every game, I feel like it's one game, what one point higher on that draft board. It's very, it's getting very impressive at this point. He's on a run, and he's going to stay on that run. He's going to stay on this run. He is going to continue I, to dominate. I, you know, it's it's funny, right? We we get especially early in our podcast, which was kind of when Villanova was going through a little rocky patch in the winter. We were definitely down on the team. I think we had the one podcast where apologies if anybody actually listened to it. It's probably miserable because um, we, we were just like a little negative. I think we both feel really good right now. And I'm I'm at the point, look, we've got basically five days until our next game on Friday against either West Virginia or Marshall. And I feel great. Well, here's what we I'm s- excited. Here's what we said at the time. We said, look, if these are building blocks, if these adversity points are building blocks for the future, 
Great. And as far as I'm concerned, they are. Because look at what happened when when we did that. Don, um, Demir Cosby Roundtree had to get more minutes. Had to play, what, like 15 to 20 minutes yesterday? Yeah. Colin Gillespie had to get more minutes. Played 15, 20 minutes himself. Dante DiVincenzo had starters minutes. Um, which he did coming off the bench, too, to be fair. Yeah. But played 31 yesterday. Had the highest minutes of anyone on the team. Uh, was totally locked in from the moment he checked into the game, so that and got to and showed his growth throughout the year doing that. He's playing great, uh, and and Jalen Brunson didn't need to be hero, hero Jalen Brunson. Still played great, but didn't need to be played play out of his shoes. He played. He played twenty four minutes. Twenty four minutes. Like, obviously, he was in foul trouble, but Jay again said, oh, "I don't feel the need to to put him back in." And I mean. The, the whole narrative of, oh, this team's going to be tired, this team has no depth. No. 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 We have lots of depth, and we're really, really, really not tired. We're super rested. We got, point. like, a week off, too. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to play until Friday night. I wish we were playing tomorrow. This team I is know, ready I know. to go. It's one of those things where it's just like, can we play immediately? I, uh, but the answer to that question is no. <laughs> unfortunately. And so we'll do what we got to do. So that's a good... That's probably pretty good on the game, I guess. Yeah, I mean... Oh, one one thing I wanted to point out: the annou- the announcers and analysts, I, they just still don't get it. They still don't oh, get it. Yes. They they keep talking about oh, you know, Villanova is they very reliant on threes, and they were hitting him at a high rate yesterday, so it was fine. No, actually, no. Like people don't let analysts convince you that Villanova shot really at a high rate yesterday. Yes, in patches, we just obliterated. Alabama by by um, by hitting threes in bunches, but I think we only shot like forty percent from deep. Yeah, we yesterday. shot it was right. I think it was like forty. And I say right about only, our. I say average. only, but that's our season average. That's yeah. what we do. We are a very very good shooting team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If we shot thirty percent, guess what? We would have only won by like fifteen. Yeah. Right. Okay. We still would have won and covered the spread. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's. I think the difference is that we took a lot of. We threes. took a lot of them. Is the difference, and and so as a result, from a percentage standpoint, yes, we made a lot of them. But yeah, you're spot on. It's it was actually no different than our regular. It wasn't an amazing shooting performance. It actually wasn't. Don't let people convince you that it wasn't amazing. That it was an amazing shooting performance. It, it was, but you're right though. In what was amazing was the spurts, right? It was the, the because spurts, there were two right. five minute bursts where. It was like we couldn't miss. Correct. And, though, and those bursts were very impressive. Those bursts were very impressive. But let's talk about what created them. We got out in transition. We got open looks. Oh, well, anytime Mikael Bridges shoots, it's an open look. <laughs> because no one can block his shot. No one can guard him. We talked about this. We're going to keep talking about this. Nobody can guard Mikael Bridges. And any game that Mikael Bridges realizes that no one can guard Mikael Bridges, he's going to go off. Yeah. He's got a great shot. Form is un- his form is terrific, and his release point is higher than anyone can guard. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I will say though one one quick thing, and they mentioned this briefly on the on the telecast the other day, which is pretty cool. Is we have a shot to break the all time record for most three pointers in a season. It, I mean, this team should break the record. Yeah, I mean, if got- you had to ask me who's the best three point shooting team of all time, I have already made the conclusion that it's us. Yeah, I think, and I think of major programs, we 
already are already been. the number one because I think the the first place is like VMI or something like that. Yeah, just like two thousand, like mid two thousands, some rando team that didn't make any noise. Yeah, um, so that's a little bit different. But I mean, that that's pretty cool too. So hopefully we've got four more games and we just obliterate the record. Yeah, but just kind of a fun side note. The the story of the game yesterday was the defense. That's what the story of the game was. Oh, my was. God. So That's good. what I want to talk about. Yes, you had, we already talked about Dante DiVincenzo. We talked about Mikhail Bridges in the second half. The tale of two halves, no, different people stepping up, great. The story of the game yesterday was the defensive effort. We held a game, athletic, talented um, Alabama program under 60 points. Yeah. That was the story of the game. Under 60 points, and we took our foot off the gas at the end. Uh, our- for like five minutes, we played garbage time. Yeah. Like the game was over with 10 minutes left to go with the game. Yeah. And it was just a matter of and, – and we still held them under 60. Yeah. Right? In a 66-possession game, I think it was, on Ken Palm. So it was – so we held them under a point per possession. We played terrific on the defensive end. That's the story of the game. And our defense keeps getting better. And, and, and you have to say, too, I don't want to we'll, – we'll talk about – we'll look ahead in just a minute. Um but if you're looking ahead to the teams we have potentially coming up, offensively, there's nobody that's that dangerous right now. I would, in our in our region, in our region, Purdue. Well, Purdue is Purdue is yes. I would have said prior to Isaac Haas breaking his elbow. Yes, I would say they're very dangerous. They're still a dangerous team for sure, but they are a different team. Now, without pause, their offense shifts. So- we can we can play our brand of basketball on them if we match up with Purdue in the Elite Eight, which I don't actually think we will. But let's just say we do. If we do, we can play our brand of basketball on them and force them to play our game because of because of the lack of Haas. Yeah. We don't have to double in on Haas, um, etc. He, I think he's going to end up playing by next week. I think they're going to fit him with a with a with a um, with a brace that'll probably be allowed by the NCAA. So because he wanted to play today, but the referees said that you couldn't play. Right. And they got past Butler. Yeah. Should, by the skin we, of should, teeth. should we take a quick break and then do come back and do a quick look ahead to what we have potentially coming up in in Elite Eight? Yeah, I think this is actually a good time to take a break. So let's do that. Uh, stay with us, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hey friends, it's Chris here from The Full 40. Are you like me and love to look good but hate shopping for new clothes? Try Bombfell, spelled B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L. It is a stylist service for men and how it works is really simple. Go on their website and if you're a listener to The Full 40, you actually get $25 off your first purchase. It is B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L. F-E-L-L dot com backslash full 40. F-U-L-L four zero. If you do that, you can go on, you can log in. You put in some measurements, some things you're looking for. They got a great selection of clothes and your stylist will pick out clothes for you every so often and send you a box. Whatever you like, you keep and you pay for and whatever you don't like, you send back free of charge. It is a great service. I highly recommend it. And remember, Bombfell, open and close. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, So when we left off, we were just talking a little bit about looking ahead. Uh, I think we're going to end up – so if we 
So we're playing West Virginia or Marshall next week. By the time you listen to this podcast, you'll already know the answer to that question. And then we get the winner of Texas Tech and Purdue. But the only thing I really want to talk about with this, because we're going to do a midweek session. Unlike last week when we promised it and then didn't do it. Yeah, it was just too much <laughs> with the travel. We apologize. Uh, and thank you for sticking with us here at the Full 40. But I want to do a I – I want to just point out the fact that when the brackets came out, everyone was like, East is an easy region – Blah, blah, blah. We here on the full 40 said this is a winnable region, which obviously it still is. Because yep. uh, otherwise we would not be doing this podcast if Villanova had lost yesterday. Right, correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'd just be like, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> uh, but, but it's still very much a winnable region. But this is the chalkiest region. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we don't know. Marshall could beat West Virginia in the all-West Virginia matchup. That's right, yeah. But, but... The Elite Eight's going to be Texas Tech or Purdue. So we're getting the two or the three seed. If we, if we advance past West Virginia or Marshall, we're getting the two or the three seed. Yeah. And Purdue and Texas Tech have been in the top ten all year in their own rights. So this is – that's what we're getting. Hey, I mean, look. In 16, we just knocked off top ten team after top ten team. You want to be the best. You got to beat the best. And, yeah. hey, let's do it. Let's knock them off. And then there are no qualms about our road to the Final yeah. Four or our road to the championship. Yeah. Agreed. If we do end up getting Purdue, the only thing I want to say is Haas is like the seven-foot distraction mm-hmm. in the middle of Purdue's situation. Because Haas is a good player. Don't get me wrong. not saying he's not. But the strength of Purdue is their guard play. They are an excellent shooting. In, in many ways, almost like a mirror match. Really good shooters. Mm-hmm. Good ball handlers. Smart, smart players. Don't make a ton of mistakes. Uh, and shoot the three. Yeah. Uh, so they shoot it very well. Yeah, shoot it very well. Very complete team. Uh, obviously, without Haas, they're a lot less complete, but they still got Horms, who's a serviceable backup. He's better defensively. He's way more mobile. Yeah. He's way more mobile. So, I mean, look, it's, it changes their offense, like we were saying, but it's not, it's not, like, they, it's not like they downgraded from Chef to Daryl Reynolds. I don't think it's that severe. Yeah. No, I don't think it's it, – and, and it's – again, it's not the strength of their team. Yeah. Like Haas is just a distraction. When Michigan State beat them back a couple – like a month or so ago, Michigan State basically let Haas get whatever he wanted because if you're just letting Haas do whatever he wants, you get twos, right? Forcing their guards to shoot threes is actually not a good recipe for success. No. So having Haas out allows you to play more up on their guards and defend the three-point line, which is what, what our task would be if we end up playing them in the Elite Eight. But that's very presumptuous. We're not going to get that far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Want to look around the tournament? Because the bracket's been a wonderful mess of craziness um, so far, except for our region. Except for us, yeah. Um, so we already covered Virginia UMBC, which is the biggest story of the tournament. But how about the second biggest story? Loyola Chicago making some noise. You got Sister Jean. Sister Jean, yeah. Sister Jean, uh, who is praying Loyola's way to to the Sweet 16. But she had them out after this round, so yeah. <laughs> yikes. Yikes. Um, by the way, it's funny because we were sitting here being like, oh, man, Virginia got the toughest road. And if Virginia was still yeah, in Yeah, it, they did. <laughs> yeah, they, I we guess just so. didn't know. I guess so. I guess so. They, we weren't thinking about uh, UMBC in that toughest road assessment. But now the best team left in that, in that half of the bracket is Kentucky. 
And, man, I would switch places with Kentucky right now because they got Loyola Chicago, who has played great, but just they're not getting a matchup that's going to blow them away no. with Loyola Chicago. They could Loyola Chicago could beat them, but they're not going to get blown away by athleticism in that matchup. And then at the bottom half of their bracket, they got Cincinnati or, uh, or Nevada. So Yeah, it's, it's favorable. Yeah, it's definitely favorable. And then, yeah, Kentucky's going to get the winner of UMBC and K-State, who they're going to – I think they would beat either team. Kentucky's really rounding into form right now. They are, they're coming together, shooting a little bit better. Those guys are at least figuring out the roles on their team. And like us, they're, they're putting it all together. A lot right of now. Villanova fans hate the one-and-done culture because we don't get one-and-dones. And that's the only reason why Villanova fans hate the one-and-done culture. It's the only I, reason anybody hates the one-and-done culture. Exactly. Unless, if you get them, yeah, you like it. Exactly. So I actually really think very highly of John Calipari. Because when you look at who has one-and-done talent, who gets them motivated and plays well, the only two coaches who really do it are uh, Calipari and Krzyzewski. Yeah. The only two. And Calipari, I think, does it a little bit better than yeah, it, Krzyzewski it, it, does. It's an interesting point because Calipari's put together a ton of Elite Eight and number of Final Four teams. And then you look at some of the recent examples, right? Ben Simmons at LSU, Markel Fultz at Washington. Those were teams that were projected to at least get to the tournament. Washington was nowhere close to it. LSU was close but you know couldn't get it together. So I think you're right. They, he's done a great job with that team. So they've got – they're probably coming out of the South, I think. Then you've got – down in the West. The West is still pretty interesting at this point. The West is very interesting. And, you know, you got Michigan who – oh, let's talk about the Big Ten for a second. I don't care what anyone says because I know they got two teams in the Sweet 16, which is the maximum the Big East is going to get. But – Tier. But but the two-week layoff absolutely impacted these teams. Michigan State never looked right in this tournament, and they had a full two weeks off. They squeaked by Bucknell, who Bucknell was a very good team. Uh, squeak by Bucknell, and then, um, and then Michigan. I don't think Michigan ever looked a hundred percent. They got lucky to sneak by Houston yesterday. They really with a did. Electric shot was cool. Great moment. But, hey, but luck, they got luck lucky. Counts. Luck, luck counts. counts. Rather be lucky than good. But they got lucky to be in the Sweet Sixteen. Ohio State struggled mightily with South Dakota State, uh, and then. Save a really nice comeback to get back into that Gonzaga game and make it close down the stretch. Gonzaga really actually outplayed them, I think, that whole game, uh, with with the exe- with the exception of the run that Ohio State made to get back into it. So, so the Big Ten, the Big Ten, Purdue is kind of I feel like is not a hundred percent. The Big Ten, that two week layoff, they should not do that again. I would not recommend that. Yeah, no, it hasn't worked out. Um, so Michigan's going to play the winner of. A&M and North Carolina. North Carolina beat uh, – sorry, Texas A&M beat Providence in the opening round. And let's just talk about the Big East. Ugh. Dude, you are, you are way – I will call you out on this. You were way more bullish on the Big East than I was in the tournament. The Big and East, I didn't think – I don't think the Big East has done terribly. But It, it depends what Xavier does tonight. If, it, Xavier, it, if, if Xavier, Xavier wins tonight, okay, yeah, fine. We, we basically held serve at that point. Right. But if Xavier goes down today, then it's then it's a bit of a It's not as good of a yeah, look. Yeah. But I think the Big East has done decently. I'm very disappointed with Providence. Providence just what what was that? Hashtag Chiron. Yeah, hashtag Chiron. The whole team just like I feel like they freaked out. Guys, I wish I could tell the Big East teams 
Providence and Creighton most specifically, hey guys, do what you did against us. Oh, Creighton. Why don't why don't these teams step up and play this hard as hard as they do against us in this tournament? It doesn't make sense to me. Creighton was really frustrating because they had they were playing a Kansas State team that was down their top player, and they they were just never in it. Creighton Creighton looked disinterested the entire game, lost. They couldn't get anything going. I mean, I can't blame Creighton, them. I, I, if I were them, I'd probably just want to get back to Nebraska. It's such a great place uh, yeah, to yeah, be in, yeah. in the oh, You just want to be in Omaha. Omaha. What? Uh, the, the Creighton was immensely frustrated. I was Seton getting, Hall, at least. Yeah. Seton Hall, I thought, showed out really nice. Had a great win against NC State. Yeah, they, they actually played really we well. We kept saying, okay, when's Seton Hall going to fold? When's Seton Hall going to fold? And they didn't fold. They actually finished out real strong. Yeah. Then against Kansas, I mean – can we just give props, pouring out for Angel Delgado, who was a monster yesterday. Yeah. But Kansas tried to hand Seton Hall that game, and Seton Hall did Seton Hall things to avoid winning that game. Wait, they punched someone in the face? <laughs> they didn't punch anyone in the face. But they did Seton Hall things because that team just never could make the big play to get them over the hump and win. The, and, win. and that's the story of Seton Hall. That was the story of Seton Hall all year. It's true. And they should have beaten Kansas. They should have beaten Kansas of the way KU played. I don't believe Kansas is a great squad. I think that they're absolutely gettable, and they couldn't do anything with that. Butler played, made a valiant effort against Purdue today. I thought they had enough to beat them. But I again, they did too. But again, Ugh. they couldn't capitalize. Purdue tried to hand them that game. Purdue had like – it's very frustrating when you watch Butler and the Seton Hall games. And the opposing team, highly ranked, plays – so far down to them over a stretch of period of time when Purdue had a big lead, Kansas had a big lead. They both wilted down the stretch, and Butler and Seton Hall couldn't take advantage. Yeah. And it was very frustrating to watch. So now you got Villanova, who looks like the best team in the country, uh, and you got Xavier, who Xavier needs to figure out their shit on defense immediately. I, I don't know how they're going to do that overnight, but they gave up 83 points to a 16 seed. Yeah, it's not great. And I mean, look, maybe maybe part is hey, we had a big lead because they had a big lead the whole game, so maybe they're not pressing as hard. But defense has not been their calling card all season. They have they are not a good defensive team altogether. And it's interesting too. It's not like they've been steadily improving and had a bunch of injuries that they could point to, similar to us. So at this point, I don't think they're going to put the defensive scheme together. I think they get out. They get a win tonight. And then they've got Gonzaga up after that. I don't think they get it done against Gonzaga. Yeah. I'll be yep. surprised. Yeah, no, I would be surprised as well. Yeah. Um, but I have Xavier in my final four, but we'll see. Ooh, I do not. Yeah, it was a, it was a tight pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but half of my final four is already eliminated. I had UVA in my final four. Not not great. Not, not, not great, great, Bob. No. <laughs> oh, should we talk about not great? Uh, good segue into... Did you see the, the post game? Talk about the post game for uh, oh. UVA. I don't understand why news reporters have to ask dickhead questions, and that's what it was. Yeah. So if you guys haven't seen this UVA clip, dial it up. Look up Ty Jerome post game. First off, general good practice. If you're looking for extra content, watch the post game press conferences. The NCAA puts them all up, so you uh, can consume all. Unlike of them. Villanova's social media, which. I don't know who runs our social media. I'm sure we're, we have a small staff, but we don't get all of our press conferences out there. It's utterly frustrating. It's hard. I think they post them on the Facebook page lately, but it's still they hard. Get to most get. of them, but not all. It should be automatic. It but, should be automatic. Anyway, but yeah, the post game press conference. 
some Ty Jerome is probably the best shooter, the pure, best pure shooter on Virginia, and someone and he's up there uh, with Tony Bennett, who Tony Bennett was pure class yeah. afterwards, no surprise, and. This dickhead reporter just goes, uh, hey, uh, Ty Jerome, are you aware that a 16 seed never beat a one seed? Like, and he basically said, like, uh, yeah, everyone's aware of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, thanks for reminding me. That's what Ty Jerome's response was. And w- which was actually way calmer than I would have found. I, if somebody would have asked me I'd throw the microphone at him. Yeah. I would have thrown the microphone at him and just walked out. Yeah. Like, you're a total dick. You're an adult. You're asking this 18, 19-year-old kid, how does it feel after easily the most crushing loss probably in the in the history of NCAA basketball? Yeah, yeah, it was the worst. And are you aware? Come on, everyone's aware. That's ridiculous Everyone's aware question. of that. Everyone's aware. Everyone's aware of that. So it's a dumb question. So clearly the reporter was just trying to make a point. Like, and this is the thing that bothers me is that sometimes reporters are also fans. I mean, look, we're we're kind of putting out podcasts, kind of like a media, right? We're obviously fans. <laughs> we're stretching. We're media now. Yeah, I guess so. I did. I did look into see if I could get a press pass for the tournament. It hasn't worked out. Yeah, yet. I don't think it's going to work out for us. Ticket prices are a little steep in Boston. <laughs> yeah. You really need to push that. The sometimes media are fans, and I feel like media sometimes get angry at the teams. Like, guys, stop. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to be a fair reporter. Don't ask a kid a question that's so ridiculous. The kid's emotional. Yeah. Right? Like, the whole team was crying, stunned, crying, etc. Suffered a horrible loss. They're going to be in the record books forever with a horrible, horrible loss. And you're going to ask, are you aware? Like, everyone's aware. Everyone's aware. You were just trying to be a dick. What was what was the other one a couple years ago with the Baylor? Oh, this Baylor, was funny, Yale. too. Baylor lost to Yale in the first round. It's like two, two three years ago? I something think like so. That. Something like that. And, and a reporter asks Baylor, who had a very tall, athletic, good rebounding team. Yeah. They got out-rebounded by Yale, which was an upset in its own right. They got upset, right? But they also got upset by not rebounding the basketball. And some some reporter just goes to the Baylor team and uh, you just pointed out that uh, Baylor, that Yale out-rebounded you guys. How does Baylor get out-rebounded by Yale? In like the most <laughs> condescending tone imaginable. And the player picks up on it, sits up straight, and just goes, well, how did Baylor get out-rebounded by Yale? So, so a rebound is when a ball clanks off the rim or backboard and then you go up and you grab the ball with two hands <laughs> and you pull it down and keep it with you and that's a rebound and Yale did that more times than we did <laughs> and just the most attitude response ever that guy but, deserved it but he that guy that dickhead deserved it he <laughs> yeah. deserved it it was a great response by the kid I am not mad at all he totally deserved that absolutely I mean again like I would not have to that's good that guy shows way more composure than I would ever have in that situation. Yeah. I mean, kudos to them. So all your reporters out there, take a note. This is this is really emotional for the guys who are out there winning and losing these games. So there's no need to ask these ridiculous questions. I know you've got a job to do, but, like, come on. Give yeah, these kids a break. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to ask the question in that way. No. For you sure. can ask a question. Here's a better way to frame that question, right? Hey, you got re- out-rebounded by Yale. What were some of the things that they were doing that was preventing you from getting the rebound? And maybe like, maybe it's like, oh, they boxed out, right? Like, obvious. It's a far but, more insightful question. But it's a much better question. <laughs> yeah. Right? 
or Ty Jerome, like, hey, as I'm sure, as I know we're all aware, like, you know, 16 seed, whatever, like, how are you going to recover from this? Like, what what do you think going forward about this, et cetera? Does this define your season? They give him an opportunity to defend himself. Yeah. Right? No, they said, are you aware that 16 seed never beat a one? Maybe we should try uh, being reporters next because we're here at the full 40. We're pretty good at telling people what they do well and don't do well, especially when we don't have any experience. So maybe we'll try... Yeah. Let's try the medical profession next. Let's go critique doctors. That'll be our next podcast. Yeah, your brother's a doctor, so you're basically a doctor. I think that's how it works. Yeah. That's what we that's how we roll at the full forty. Yeah. We're not quite sure what's going on, but we'll tell you how to do it better. Yeah. <laughs> so anything else? I don't think so. I mean that was uh it's been an exciting first week of the tournament. This has been great. The NCAA tournament, as Jay Billis says, is idiot proof. You the NCAA tournament committee can try their hardest to screw this up. And they do. Selection joke, cough, cough. Yeah, they do. And yet it's impossible to screw this up. This has been an amazing tournament so far. Um, it's a lot more fun when you win too. Yeah. Syracuse is still in it. Syracuse is still in it. And as Which we... is a good omen because yes. the last time they didn't deserve to make the tournament and then made a run was 2016 and we all know how that ended. So Bring it on. Bring it on. So yeah, so again, stay tuned we are going to bring you another podcast in a few days, uh, which will preview the Sweet 16 and Elite 8. We'll, we'll obviously dive real deep on, on our matchup, and then we'll also look ahead and around the, uh, the NCAA and what else is going on um, and make some Final Four predictions. Yeah, look for some cutting insights like Villanova's offense is good. Yeah, Villanova's offense is good. Yeah, that's what you can expect on yeah. uh, midweek. Yeah. Absolutely. It's going to be exciting. All right. So without any further ado, we're going to cut this off. Um, Thanks for listening. Stay with us. And as always. Oh, wait, wait. No. Remember, listeners, if you haven't done it yet, subscribe on iTunes. Rate us. Only if you like it. If you're listening at this point, you probably like it enough. Um, We're also on SoundCloud. We're going to get some stuff up on Stitcher, too. But, yes. All right. So let's close it out now. Yeah. Uh, We'll be back in a few days. Uh, we'll, We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. And as always. Let's Let's go go Nova. Nova.